This podcast is sponsored by Enriched. Now, if you're a regular listener to the show, then you'll know that I'm not a big fan of Big Pharma. So I do everything I can to try and stay out of their sickness subscription system. And a key component in my daily arsenal is a dose of what I'm calling the White Basement Lion King Super Stack. First, chugga mushroom, known as the king of mushrooms for a reason. Its potent antioxidant, antiviral, immune-supporting properties make it the most studied medicinal mushroom on earth. And although there can be only one king, the king wears a mane, a lion's mane. Brain-boosting, neuron-sharpening, cognition-enhancing, lion's mane is the perfect partner for King Chaga and the second half of the Lion King Super Stack. For me, it's the perfect start to my day helping me to go hard and go home. Go to enriched.co, that's E-N-R-I-C-H-D.co, and use the discount code WHITEBASEMENTPOD to get a 10% discount site-wide. Start your day like a king. Go to Enriched and grab the Lion King Super Stack now. So I was getting quite frustrated, so I would just take anything at the time, just so that I could keep competing. Um... And as long as my training is regular, then it's, I think it's, I will keep competing. But um, yeah, it's, it, it's a hard one though, because I know that there are other people out there and I would like them to compete, but they just don't. I, I just felt that it's probably not true that I'm sure people have got their, their reasons for not competing when they get to black belt. But it just seemed like people were get into black belt and it's like okay I've reached this goal now I don't need to compete anymore hey guys welcome to another episode of the white basement podcast follow the show on instagram at white basement pod find us on spotify apple Podcasts, amazon Podcasts, google podcasts and if you're watching on youtube hit the like button and subscribe so that you never miss an episode and please do share the show it helps us to grow my returning guest today is Jolie Boyle. She holds black belts in kickboxing and Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and she's on a mission this year to grow women's jiu-jitsu in the UK. Jolie, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you again for having me. It's, uh, it's nice to be back here. This studio is amazing. <laughs> yeah, how long? When, when did we do the last one? Was it six um, months? So the episode came out in May. I think we did oh, so it just at, at the end of April last yeah. year so it's been a, been a few months yeah and um so you've been you've been kind of busy well not actually let me let me say initially thank you for every uh, other guest that you've sent me because <laughs> you're like the number one fixer <laughs> you've sent me you sent me m- much more uh uh many more people than anyone else has so yeah i i appreciate all the all the cool guests you've well, sent me my day job is recruitment right. so <laughs> Um, whenever I see something that's really good and is going to grow organically and um, I I just like helping my friends so uh, I I see that this is this is a good thing and um, I suppose as well it's it's helped me because there's a lot that I found out about Daz that I didn't know and he's a great person anyway he's just um, he's really cool to listen to um denny as well yeah found out so much about her and i've known her for 20 odd years <laughs> yeah, it's um, weird isn't it if you don't if you don't actually have like a just a 
like a getting to know you long form conversation. Like you do, you do realize, yeah, there's people you've known for a long time, but you never actually stop to ask them all the kind of mundane, basic stuff. Yeah, yeah and, and things from years ago as well. I mean, uh, with Denny, not yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I didn't know about her, but I know about everything in the last twenty years. So um, yeah, but I'm I'm one of these people. I, I like connecting people as well. So um, just recently, I've got some friends who are opening a gym. I've got friends who own a factory in Pakistan and it's like okay I connect you guys because you you've got some geese you've got a gym you connect them yeah so um yeah it it makes me feel good knowing that I can do that and I don't want anything from it I just want my friends to be connected with the right people yeah I've, I've, I've I've um found the same kind of thing from the podcast where I've had I've had people in and then maybe a week or a month or whatever later and someone's mentioned something and I'm like, oh, I should put you in touch with this person who came mm. in because that's exactly what they were talking about. Or, you know, like you say, somebody is supplying mushrooms or somebody's supplying psychedelics or somebody does coaching, someone does therapy, someone does hypnosis. And then just in the course of normal kind of day-to-day stuff, people mention things and you're like, actually... I know someone I can connect you up with. It's it's a really nice kind of um, I don't know if it's a byproduct of of the podcast, but it's a, it's a nice um, kind of side project mm. to to be able to link people up and, and network and put put nice people with nice people and you know yeah. see what happens with it. So. Especially with um, a few of the people you have had on the podcast, uh, I suppose they have got small businesses. Um, Look at that hill hook coffee guy. Yeah. I can't remember his name. So, so. Give me your mic down. Uh, Greg, I, you know what? I, I mention him on the podcast a lot mm-hmm. and I always forget his name. I always say, oh, the heel hook coffee guy. But mm-hmm. it's Greg Wilger Jones because I was looking okay. yesterday just through some episodes. So yeah. for Christmas, I bought my mum some heel hook coffee because we're coffee connoisseurs and some friends as well. I bought them like the, the packs that you get. Um, yeah, and even Rich yes. from Enriched. Yes. I got some presents for people. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm, ve- I'm a big fan of small businesses. I, I think as well, you know, it's, it's, it's weird because if, you're, if you've got kind of people that you, that you know or you half know who have a business, like you should be using them mm-hmm. and, you know, not necessarily like paying over the odds, but paying sort of a decent amount for the product because you're just supporting your friends and your colleagues and your training partners and whatever in um, building a better community for everybody Mm. rather than, you know, your mates, you'll only do something with them if they're giving you a 50% discount and yet you'll go to Starbucks and spend five quid on a cup of coffee yeah it doesn't make sense well as i said my day job is recruitment so my clients are big clients but they're using my company which is me myself and i <laughs> um i pretty much run everything so i'm grateful for them for using a small business they could go to some big franchise and use them but they don't they come to me so i'm grateful so in a way I'm doing my bit for the other small businesses. I'm using them, and I don't ever expect a discount, but I do put in white basement pod. Yeah, <laughs> so but I think discount. it's good because people can track as well how the yeah. kind of um, 
what the reach is of the of the podcast. Mm. If people are buying a product and I have a discount code and they put it in, just so that they can see, okay, X amount of people have have listened to the show, obviously, and decided to 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 mm. use some products. I think it's it's helpful for those guys to 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 track it as well. Um, and and at the moment, as I as I just asked you uh, just earlier, you're getting ready for the Euros, right? Yeah. How's how's your prep been? Uh, it's good. I was thinking about it the other day. It's like I can only do what I can do. I'm 46 years old now. I was thinking about it um, a couple of months ago, actually. I was getting quite frustrated with the lack of black belts my age. I know there's quite a few out there. Um, I think there must be something like, I'm going to say 60 or 70 black belt, female black belts in this country now. So... I know there's quite well, a few that... adult all the way through to... Yeah, masters. yeah. So I know there's quite a few that are in my age bracket or at least above 35 years old. So I was getting really frustrated with the fact that... Um, well, where are they? I signed up for um, the English Open. No one. No black belts. No female black belts entered. So I'm thinking, like, this is really frustrating for me because... I train regularly. Um, everything's good. Like no, I, I'm, I don't train loads. Uh, I'll be lucky if I can get three, four sessions a week. This week I'll probably get five sessions in, but last week I got four sessions in. And but then I, I started to look back on. So when I first started jujitsu, I was 33 years old. Um, I didn't have two dogs. Um, I still had my business. I didn't teach five classes a week, uh, jiu-jitsu and kickboxing. Um, and I didn't have a Victorian property that always needs work. So my life was quite different then. And I have to respect the fact that people who started jiu-jitsu alongside me and who are black belts now, their life was probably a lot different. Their life, they probably didn't have children. They probably didn't have a lot uh, I don't know, maybe um, people do have homes that always need updating. So that's probably why I took on the challenge of Enyo as well. I was part of the UK teams and I was just like, okay, I'll go with it. Um, the black belt that they wanted because the Irish team had a black belt. Um, yeah, I just thought I'd just go for it. But I, I was, I was getting quite frustrated. So I would just take anything at the time just so that I could keep competing um and as long as my training is regular then it's I think it's I will keep competing but um yeah it's it is a hard one though because I know that there are other people out there and I would like them to compete but they just don't I I just felt that it's probably not true that I'm sure people have got their their reasons for not competing when they get to black belt, but it just seemed like people were getting to black belt. And it's like, okay, I've reached this goal now. I don't need to compete anymore. I, yeah, I think I think um, there's a I think there's a few factors. So I, I I think the the one of the factors is. If so, you've you already had a black belt in kickboxing. Mm -hmm. I already had a black belt when I was much younger in kung fu. So you already sort of have been through that experience of okay, I'm a black belt. Oh, it's 
no different to when I started. Like I'm just, it's still just me. I still got to remember how stuff works and to do things right. Okay. You, you've learned some patterns and your body's learned how to do some stuff, but I think you've already kind of, I don't know. It's all, it's almost like, um, uh, a little bit of, a um, a damp squib when you get your, your black belt. Cause when you start, mm. you see black belts and you think, Oh my God, these people are like superheroes. Yeah. And then you get there and you realize it's just like normal yeah. people. Just, yeah. You're not really any different. You're still you. And I think, you know, having, having already experienced that with your kickboxing before you got a black belt in jujitsu, I think you already have a, probably a slightly different, um, kind of mindset around you know what does a black belt mean it kind mm. of doesn't mean anything it's just mm. a recognition that you've been training a certain amount of time and you've it's like do a, a white s- belt they never gave up yeah basically yeah. but but i think then you're you you're not as likely to fall victim to that oh i'm a black belt now i can take my foot off the gas because mm. you've you've you kind of already are looking at the black belt in 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 the sense of it's just a, like another marker on the journey. It's not really any different to mm. any other belt or any other stripe or any other training session or anything else. Really, you still got to turn up, put in the effort, pay attention, try and learn more stuff, try and get mm. better at the things that you find difficult and and whatever. So so I think probably you you maybe approach it in a different way you know, is in a more mature way, having mm. experienced black belt already. But I think as well, it's just, it just becomes more difficult when you get older, or as you get older, to be bothered to put yourself in difficult situations, mm. which you don't have to put yourself in and no one really cares whether you put yourself in them or not. You know, once you get to 40s or 50s and you've got a black belt or even a brown belt or whatever, it's kind of like, I mean, I don't know I don't know how it is with you, but with me, like most people that I talk to that are my age, who non-jujitsu people, so all of my friends or family or whatever are kind of like... like you're you're mad like you know how how, were you training like four or five times a week Mm -hmm. and this and that like when are you going to stop kind of thing like that's what you do in your 20s not in your 50s so I think there's there is kind of this I don't think it's pressure to not compete and not push yourself but I think there's like a very there's loads of excuses to not do it. Mm. No one else is doing it. None, none of my family think I should be doing it. You know, m- all my friends are kind of getting fat and doing nothing and playing a bit of golf and this, that and the other. So I, I think, I mean, I've, I've kind of got the similar situation to you where most of the competitions that I would look at in the UK, in fact, I think last year, I didn't look at a lot, but everything I looked at, there was no one for me to fight, not mm. one single person. I'd either have to go down an age or up a weight or, you know, whatever it is. And and that's another reason why I, I, I kind of, in the end, decided oh, I should go to the Euros because actually I keep talking about being able to keep sort of testing yourself and not, not just testing yourself as far as your jiu-jitsu, but testing yourself as far as like, can I still go and perform? Because mm. to me, go, going for a competition, it's a bit like when you used to have to do exams at school. 
you know, like it doesn't matter that your coursework is really good or you always kind of did your homework or you know the answers or whatever. No, like you've got yeah. to sit an exam yeah. and you've got to remember everything and you've got to read the questions properly and you've got to get it all down on the paper the way it's asked for and everything. Like, can you do that or not? Mm. And and I think for competition, it's, for me, it's kind of that. It's like, can you bring everything that's available to you on the day, at the time, in the in the correct manner, mm. can you perform? And everybody can see whether you performed or not. And it's just, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's difficult. It makes you kind of have to dig down deep. And I think a lot of people, they're just like, you know what, I just, I don't need that aggravation anymore. So I went to the World Masters at the end of uh, August. I'll be honest. <laughs> I didn't train massively for it. Um, my work's really busy in the summer, so I did what I could do. And I went there. Yeah, felt good. Felt okay. I had eight people in my division. That's master four featherweight. I've never had that many people before. <laughs> um, and I went there and my weight was good. Training was, yeah, it was good. Not as I said, I hadn't like trained loads and loads and loads. I just did what I could. The only thing that I fell down on was the fact that I get distracted really easily. And the World Masters in Las Vegas is so huge. There's so much going on. And I'm like, oh, it's wow, look at that person over Portugal there. Used to be, yeah, is yeah, it? yeah. The, the it's, it's massive. Stadium. Absolutely massive. It's in a huge convention center. It's like an aircraft hangar bigger than that probably two three times as big um yeah and I'm looking at this mount oh there's so and so oh yeah that's amazing look at that suite that they're doing oh there's that person over there blah, blah, blah. oh this person on the mat yeah amazing and I totally lost concentration so that's another thing that you've got to think about is getting in the zone being can't just in in the moment and if you're not in the moment you'll be like me I just went out of the first round, got mm. subbed. and But I, I think that's down to me. And I thought, right, okay, I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to do a few things to fix this so that my concentration is good like it was before. Don't, get um, don't lose concentration. Be totally focused on what is ahead right in front of you. I so, mean, it, it takes a lot of effort, though. Yeah. It, it just just the sort of the psychological and then the emotional sort of preparation and, and being there. Because, you know, being like in that switched on state, it, it, you're kind of in a, in, a, in a controlled way and in a calm way, but you're kind of in that fight or flight mode. You need mm. to be able to put yourself into that fight or flight mode and maintain that and not let it kind of, tense you up too much and gas you out too quickly and forget what you're doing or panic or whatever so I think it's actually quite a difficult state to to maintain I mean I I, I always find not not that I've competed a lot but when I when I compete physically it's tiring but mentally emotionally it's tiring like mm. afterwards you have a real like sort of release of like oh thank god I don't have to sort of yeah. concentrate anymore I can just wander around now or have something to drink or have something to eat or whatever don't have to worry about sort of what's going on and the timings and the fights moving and where's the warm-up area and 
you know, all of that stuff. But, you know, I, I, this one, I, I don't know how, how I'll feel when I actually get there. But I'm, I'm, at the moment, I'm not nervous about it. I'm kind of like, I just, I just want to s- go see how I do against it my it own is. people. Yeah. yeah. The thing with me, when I'm, I'm competing, I just think, oh, the build-up, there's like so much. I, I think I entered about two months ago for this Europeans. So there's a big build-up. You've got to make sure that you're eating well. And um, I had a few health issues. We'll go on to that in a bit. But I um, had a few health issues last year and I was thinking, oh, I need to make sure that everything's good and I'm not coughing <laughs> um, and everything's on track. And in the back of my mind, I'm going, you know that this is going to be over in a flash. All of a sudden, it's like, that's going to be behind you and you're going to be in a nice French restaurant having a lovely meal with a nice glass of red wine. <laughs> Um, because it always is it's over in a flash and there's such a such anticipation this build up to making sure that everything's on track like I said but for me this time I need to make sure I'm in the zone mentally if yeah I just gotta get away from the distractions of the whole tournament have you done anything different any kind of uh coaching or mindfulness or any practice around that specifically or it's just kind of no just just keep myself so what I I used to do I I had a lot of um coaching for competitions years ago and what I found in previous competitions when I talk to myself and I like you're here Jolie you're come here doing the best that you can um you're going to pull guard straight away. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. Don't mess around. Just go for it. When I talk to myself, I get the job done. And it's that's how I achieve. So um, I've got a little script. Um, I need to put it on, on my phone, actually, so that I can listen to it before. If I do get distracted, I know I've got it in my headphones and I can listen to that. And it's my voice saying you do this, you do that. Because I, I, I don't have my coaches with me in Paris. I'll probably have friends, like you'll be there, gosh, you'll be yeah. there. Um, other people who I've spoke to previously, they're like, oh, yeah, you can meet on the first day. Okay, then, yeah, I'll be there. I'm doing the same. So they'll be there on the sidelines, but it's that inner voice that I need. That's um, that's going to that's gonna be what's driving me to... Um, do well in the competition. I remember years ago, I um, when I was purple belt, I did Naga, and I had a chest infection. I was so unwell, and I just thought, "What am I doing this for?" <laughs> but I wanted to win a Naga belt so badly, <laughs> and there was there was somebody in my division, and um, I think it was like purple belt master one or whatever, and um, I went there to win the belt. That that was what I uh, my goal. So I did the no-gi first of all and I uh, struggled through and I uh, lost some points. And then um, my coach at the time, Jess, he said, uh, oh, I've been due for the absolute. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm just joking. I can't believe I'm doing this. So I went in there and I lost some points. And I thought, oh, okay. I sat down. I put my gi on because that was the next part of the competition. And I said, Jolie, you have come here today to win a nag belt. Pull yourself together. Don't worry about anything else that's going on. You need to go there and you need to 
do the job, get the job done and win that Naga belt. And I won. <laughs> it was only one fight, but it was one fight. So That's, I got the belt task, right? and the belt is in a box under my bed. But it's, I got the belt and, yeah, I, I got the job done. But that was just through me talking to myself, coaching myself because – a coach can, like I said, a coach can be at the sidelines, but they're not telling you what you really need to hear because yeah. only you know that. Yeah, I mean, I was oh, when, when Spencer was in, um, he was saying that he 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 will coach his guys from the from the side of the mat, but he always says to them, you know, before the event or before the fight or whatever, look, if you if if your decision making is different to what I'm telling you, you go with yours. Mm. Like I I don't I can't feel what you can feel. I can see what I can see. So if I think, you know, you should be passing guard on this side or you need to have this grip or whatever, that's what I'm gonna say to you. But if you feel something different you go with 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 you, and I think you know you you do you do find as you're training longer. I mean, how long have you been doing BJJ now? Uh, this year will be thirteen years. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's a lot of cumulative experience, and you know, I'm, I I very much kind of feel that everything you do, everything you ever do, is logged somewhere mm. in that in that kind of memory bank, and you know, mostly. You, you kind of think you've forgotten it or you're not really aware of it or whatever. But all of that stuff is logged. And so, you know, just just sort of allowing that that recall of all that experience to inform your, your decisions, even at an un- unconscious level. You know, I think the longer you train, the more you do, you do kind of find good solutions to problems because mm. you've come across it somewhere well it's also muscle memory as well we can't forget about that yeah um there's uh, a lady who trains with us at st Albans. she's quite new she's white belt i think she's been training just under a year and every time she trains with me i'm like get the underhook if you're going to pass the guard get the underhook if you're going to pass the guard and i've just been telling her over and over again and sometimes i don't tell her i just go for her back and then um the other night we was doing some specific training from uh, half guard, I think it was, yeah. And straight away she got the underhook and passed my guard and I thought, oh my God, she's done it. They'd, and she said, I actually can't believe it actually worked. <laughs> so it's that muscle memory of getting it wrong over and over again and then all of a sudden it clicks and yeah. then you go for it. Yeah. So, yeah. And she's not even a year into her journey, so. Um, but that's but yeah. kind of the instruction you need, isn't it? It's it's not necessarily like tons of techniques and details and this and that and that. It's just someone every time you go anywhere near them saying, "Get an underhook, get mm-hmm. an underhook, mm-hmm. get an underhook." Mm-hmm. Like then, as soon as she like sees you on an unconscious level, she's thinking underhooks, underhooks, <laughs> under. But th- that that's the kind of coaching that I think actually is really gives you like those really solid fundamentals because mm. you're like you 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 then your whole kind of jujitsu mindset is around all right as soon as i start trying to pass i'm looking for an underhook mm. which is a pretty useful kind of <laughs> pattern to develop right yeah you, it's never really going to steer you wrong to be at least thinking about looking for for an underhook well, when i teach the kids um i'll tell them secure your position 
and it's over and over again. Secure your position count. One, two, three. You got your points. Neon belly. One, two, three. And they're doing this over and over again. And then they go to mount. And I say, slap your hands on the ground. One, two, three. Yeah. But we had a bit of a problem with the kids. They was like, yep, I've got my points. Then stand up and walk off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 stay there, stay no, there, you're in the best position, don't yeah. go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, this, this is what I've been saying to Gosha because she's, she's very much like, um, she just, she's, she wants to submit people. You know, like you can see as soon as we start getting changed and she's putting a gear on, I can see she wants to, she wants to just grab someone's power. neck. Yeah, That's yeah, there's no kind of, uh, you know, anything other than a submission is, is like a failure. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm saying to her, like, on the way to your where you want to go, just take time to get your points on the way. Mm. You don't have to do anything different, but once you pass the guard, just make sure you're waiting for those points. And then if you're going to mount and you can get a neon belly on the way, just wait there until you get the mm. points. Then go to the mount, then get the points. Then go for your submission. You know, she will, she will pass the guard, jump straight on mount, punch you in the throat, you know, it's like <laughs> immediate, like, death. But I'm like, you can still play that game, but just on the way, because, you know, the, the way that, that my experience as well with, with competition is like if you're in a kind of a bad spot and you're six points down, you're, you're half giving up because mm-hmm. you're like, even if I escape from this, there's two minutes left and I've got to get seven points how the fuck am I going to do that and then you're talking to yourself like man maybe this one's ain't the one for me (laughs) whereas if if there's no points or you're up by an advantage you're thinking if I escape from here I'm winning Mm. or if I escape from here I can win so you know even though those points is you you know is not necessarily what you're looking for it's a it's a significant psychological kind of barrier Mm. If you're up on points or if you're down on points, you know, it just gives you that kind of extra wind in your sails of like, Mm. if I'm ahead, I'm winning. I just got to not fuck up. Well, with the kids, we go through the points every lesson. It's like, how many, hands up, you can tell me how many points for a takedown. Some get it right, some get it wrong. And then passing the guard, how many points, how many points, how many points. I still don't know the points properly. Take down two points. (laughs) Pardon? Take down two. Two, yeah. Guard pass, two. Three. Three. Yeah. Neon belly? Two. Two. Mount four. Mount is four. Mm-hmm. And back is four. Four, yeah. yeah. So we go through all the points and so we take down, we pass the guard, neon belly, mount. We'll talk about the points along the way and I'm like, this is an easy way to win a competition. You can, And then you get to mount and you can hold it. And then if you get the submission, what a bonus. But once they're on to mount, they've got a hard job to get out of there. Side control, I think, is probably harder to get out of than than mount. But for the kids, if you keep drilling that in their heads and at the end of the sparring, they'll come up to me and they'll say, oh, I got seven points. I got this points. I got that points. Yeah. And I'm like, that's amazing. Cause yeah, it, it's important, I think, to... I mean, I, did, I, I, I don't really actually still pay that much attention to it. And at the beginning, I didn't pay any attention to it because I didn't want to compete. Mm. But, you know, I think it is something that you might as well be aware of and you might as well just incorporate into your drilling and your training because it doesn't really cost you anything. You no. just, it's just being aware, okay, here I scored points, here I, I'm down on points from here. So if I am going to 
sit back for a foot lock and the other person's going to potentially stand up and I'm gonna, they're going to get awarded a sweep, I've got to be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Like my foot lock's got to be fucking like fire if I'm going to actually risk that in a comp. Otherwise, you know, you find, oh, I'm practicing always sitting back for a foot lock, sitting back for a foot lock. And then obviously in comp, people are not going to tap to a foot lock unless it's properly on yeah it's not the same as in the gym where people are like oh my ankle people are like no mate I, I just got sweep points i'm up by two mm. and i ain't tapping to that unless it feels like it's going to break mm. and then you find oh my thing that works all the time in the gym don't work no. in competition no yeah it's different i found that as well we um a couple of weekends ago i went to the um Magda at Fight Zone, she was running a competition training for the Euros prep. There was one at the weekend as well, I could make that. But um, there was a section where she was like, right, okay, you can do, just do takedowns. So when the other person is looking for the takedown and you're looking for the takedown, all the throws, all the takedowns that you've learned in the class, they don't really work. Yeah. Because you're both looking for the same thing. It's different if one person is potentially going to pull guard. Um, they're not looking for the same thing that you are. But, yeah, it was it was hard, really yeah, hard. Yeah, I mean, to, trying, to, trying to take someone down, like, who's who's 100% focused on not getting taken down mm. is, is really difficult. You know, it's only the real good wrestlers, very athletic people or the good judo guys that can consistently put someone on the mat, you know, on their terms. Yeah, because they've worked on their timing and that's all it is. Yeah, timing and and sort of technique as well, you know, in the same way that say you've got like a really good pressure pass or you've got a really good whatever transition from side control to north-south or something. You know, there, 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 there are setups where you kind of force somebody into a position where they're going to get taken down you know you're pulling forcing them to step in a certain place and then you can ankle pick them or mm. whatever it is so so timing for sure but you know the, there are some people that just consistently i mean we got a guy who's a very high level wrestler iranian guy um i mean he, he pretty much can ankle pick single leg everyone and anyone in the gym repeatedly mm. even though that's all he does you know when you fight Ben, like you're going to get ankle picked or you're going to get single leg. So that's all you've got to defend. Mm-hmm. So unless you literally sit down, you're going to get ankle picked or single legged. Yeah. Because he's just so good at it. He's done it so many times, so many times, so many times. But, you know, m- mostly, I think it's something that Rob, Rob Connor said when he was in, because I was asking him about how much time you should spend on your stand up versus stuff on the ground and everything. And he said, look, a good guard pull negates all stand-up mm. it doesn't matter how good you are at wrestling at judo at sambo or anything else if i got a good guard pull it's, it's irrelevant because mm-hmm. i'm going to get a grip or whatever i need and i'm going to pull god and then mm. we don't have to worry about stand-up anymore it's now we're just kind of playing on the on the mat so it's it's, it's difficult because in an ideal world you 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 get really good at stand-up stuff and you can always take the fight to the mat on your terms, start with a takedown, two points, pass guard, and you're winning the fight, you know, mm-hmm. within the first 20, 30 seconds. But realistically, you could spend all that time just working your your sweeps and your submissions from your back and your closed guard and your different open guards and stuff. And like you say, you know, just 
bump fist, pull guard. Don't worry about Olympic level judo, whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting on the floor, so it's as if you know you've already gone to the mat. Yeah. So it's it's a it's 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 a puzzle, right? It's a chess game. When you go to um, the World Masters, there's a lot of um, people still do go for the the takedowns there, um, and if they get them, because the matches are only five minutes. Like, say if you've been like back and forward for like a minute, and then they go for the takedown, they're going to hold it uh, as much as possible for the next four minutes. Yeah. Um, it's very rare that you get some really, really good quality Masters matches. Like it, it's great watching. I, I personally think um, middleweight purple belt adult is probably the most exciting belt to watch, mm. uh, or the blue belts as well. Mm. But um, there, there's a strategy when you compete, especially at IBJJF. I, I haven't competed at ADCC. That was one of my my things I wanted to do last year but it didn't happen but um yeah with IBJJF a lot of the masters they have this strategy and it, it, even even um like master one they'll still go for the same thing go for the takedown or pull guard and just work on the submissions because as long as somebody's in your guard and you're working those submissions there's still that strategy mm. to to get your advantage yeah right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is a it is a, a game of strategy with the IBJJF IBJJF rule set for sure. You win on an advantage, win on a couple of points. I mean, you know, like Vin Diesel says, right? Winning's winning. Doesn't matter if you uh, win by a, an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. I mean, I'm 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 very much on the on the mindset of someone can say, "Oh, it's a bit of a boring fight," mm. but people are not going to remember that. They're going to remember whether you got a gold medal yeah. or a bronze medal. So when I did Enyo, um, my first match was with um, a high level brown belt, um, Amanda Pamela Nicole. I have to remember her name properly. She's got <laughs> three first names. Um, so. I think I went up second, so it was me and her. And uh, I'm not confident with my takedowns, I'll be honest. But I, I can do, I know, know some stuff. But I just pulled guard and she was kind of there. She was locked in and uh, she just pinned me for a little bit. And I just did not want to be in a boring match. So where she's like kept me there and I'm like, I can't move. She's not doing anything. What's going on? And I just said to her, this is submission only. <laughs> this one saying to her in our match, submission only. You've got to move. I can't move. You've got to move. So she did. She passed my guard and then we just like carried on. Um, and she said to me afterwards, she went, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I think um, there's nerves as well. It's like you, you want to perform really well. You want to... Um, create a good match but the nerves kick in and you think oh my god like what what am I going to do and she and, just and also it it's, the, it's the you're kind of um I think I think a trap certainly for for me and with with many things is that like you attach a lot of things to this 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 event that's happening so mm. this match that you're <laughs> having you attach all kinds of stuff about winning or losing, about how much you trained, about whether you should be wearing your belt or not, about, you know, how long has the other person had their belt, who's watching, what club are they at, you know, da, da, da. rather than just kind of being like, should I go left or right? Mm -hmm. Should I be pushing or pulling? 
Yeah. You know, like th- th- that's what it should be. Like just in the moment, mm-hmm. what's the correct, you know, like I had uh, Dan Strauss on the other day and I, I asked him, I had a really good chat, but I had a, had a few questions that I asked him and he, and I, and I asked him, I think I asked him something about his biggest regret or mistake in grappling or whatever. And he said the, the thing that he kind of regrets the most was when he fought Sakuraba because Sakuraba was his, his, like his hero, everybody's hero. But he said in that match, he said, I spent like a minute and a half with my knee on his face. <laughs> and he said like afterwards, he goes, I, f- I felt like really bad because he's like my hero. But he said it, technically it was the correct thing to do because he was trying to fight for this underhook to get to my back. And the way to, to stop it is to put my shin across his face. So that's what I did. But it was like, you know, I had these real mixed emotions because on the one hand, it's like, I'm really sorry, dude, you know, I, I don't want to do this. But on the other hand, I don't want to do the wrong sort of technical thing. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that, that there is, you do have to be a little bit kind of, um, ruthless is the wrong word but i think you i think you have to kind of try to strip bare all the layers of things that you want from this competition Mm -hmm. and just go there to see in the next i mean yours are 10 minute rounds now right no, Black belt? Five, well, they oh, would be masters. if I was adult, but no, I'm master four, but it'll be right. five minutes. So for the next five minutes, mm. where should I be putting my hands? Where should I be putting yeah. my feet? Where yeah. should I be putting my hips? Should I be pushing, pulling, trying to stand up, trying to sit down? That's nothing else. That is the hardest part of a match is being in that moment. There's um, so many times when I've, I've gone to the gym. Um, I remember one time... I was having a bad day, a really bad day. Um, some things were going on at home and, yeah, I was there was a bit of trouble and stuff and I went to the gym and I thought, I really don't feel like I'm, I want to be here but I'm coming because it's training and it, I know it's good for me. So we did all the technique and everything and then, um, I don't know if I told you this story before, but anyway, um, I went and started training, uh, sparring with a friend. He was a bigger guy. And uh, tap hands, bump fist, he was on his back and I went to pass his guard. My little finger went out like that and I, I broke my hand. So that is a pure example of not being in the moment. I've got things going on here and I'm not here physically. Um, but then there's been times when I've gone to the gym and majority of the time anyway you go there and you forget about the credit card bill that you've got to pay and uh, your car's got to be serviced and the gas and electric and all those kind of things you just go there and you have a great time and you enjoy that moment but that's what you've got to transfer into a competition as well you go there and you know exactly what to do you let your muscle memory work and you go for whatever it is you need to do in that moment, mm. those positions you need to get. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. So so just switching it up a little bit, you've been doing the London Women's Open Mats, yeah. which you started last year, 2023. Yeah, so... Um, Italy, right? <clears throat> it, yeah, the, I'll tell you a little bit of history about it. So um, I first started jiu-jitsu at a London Women's Open Mat. It was in May 2011. Uh, it was run by a lady called Meg Smitley. 
And the first one that I went to was at the MMA clinic in Romford. And I loved it. Three hours of not really knowing what I'm doing. I got beaten up, but I felt great. <laughs> so um, there was a lady there and um, her other half had a gym in Colchester or classes in Colchester and she was like yeah come and join us so that's where I started it was Carlton Gracie Essex so any opportunity to go to the London Women's Open Mats I went to them they was all over the place and then um, I think it was like I got to about blue belt or something purple belt maybe and Meg decided to go back to I think she's either from uh, United States or Canada anyway she went back and she passed the the baton over to Hayley Carter and said to her, can you like run the, the Facebook group, just accept people when they request and stuff. It's a private group. So Hayley said to me, would you like help me out with this? Because I think at the time she was, um, she was training to become a personal trainer and she said, I, I've got a lot on my plate and I don't always want to be on Facebook and stuff. And I thought, yeah, okay then. And it was easy enough to do, like you get the notifications through. And I just kind of left it and there was a few open mats and stuff and then it just kind of died a death. And I thought, hmm, what a shame. Then in, I think it was November 2022, I went to um, a friend of mine, Husna. She had a women's open mat. Um, she's one of Jude Samuel's students. She trains at Legion in Leighton. So I went there and it was brilliant. And I said to her, you're in the group for the London Women's Open Mad. It'd be really good to like get this going again. And as that was the sort of like the back end of the year, I thought I could start it again. I don't know if I'm allowed to do it, but nobody else is doing it. So um, I... Put the word out I think it was in the group and Gosha said to me ask Gibby like I'm sure he'll have you down at the resistance and we chatted about it and he said yeah this day it'll be fine so I just got a poster made up um, and then uh, yeah just invited everybody basically and we had about 28 ladies on the mat at the resistance and I thought this is good this works well and it was a really nice atmosphere and um from there uh paula who trains at st albans she said to me i go down to resistance now on a, a lunchtime and i go and train so that's nice because she wouldn't have done that before she probably wouldn't have i don't know what what she's like as a person i only train with her but um maybe she wouldn't have had the confidence to go uh, get in contact with ibi at the resistance and say would it be okay if if I come and trained? But because she's been there, she feels confident and um, a nice vibe from the gym, so she can go and train there. So I thought, okay, I'll do. It. That's the first quarter. Let's get the second quarter sorted. So I got in contact with Marco from Fight Zone, and I said, would it be okay if I did a London Women's Open mat? The last one we had twenty eight ladies on the mat. Um, and he said, yeah, Jolie, no problem. I said, like, how much um, do you want for a mat fee? Nothing, Jolie, just come down. And I thought, this guy is amazing. He's got an incredible gym. He's a lovely person, a great coach. He's got some really high-level people there. And he's like, me, have the gym for nothing. So I thought, I can't charge people for this. The, the open mats have got to be free because they're not charging me 
um, for the MAP fee. So um, I, I got the event together. I thought, oh, let's do it a little bit more professionally. Let's put it on Eventbrite. People can get tickets. It doesn't cost anything. So um, in the space of like 24 hours, I think 50 tickets just went straight away. I was overwhelmed. I thought, okay, this is good. They had a few people drop out and then some more people come. And um, I think we got probably, I don't know, five, six no-shows on the day. So we had 46 ladies on the map, including myself. And then um, I had another day in mind already. So we went to Stronger in Wimbledon. It's owned and run by Ollie Geddes, who's a Roger Gracie black belt. I've known Ollie for years and he was more than happy to have us there. Um, Olivia, she uh, helped me host it. She's a brown belt there. And uh, she was a bit worried. She said, oh, yeah, the last open mail, there was so many people there. I don't know if we're going to be able to get that many. And I said, yeah, it's fine. It's okay. We ended up getting about 30, which was fine for her. Same principle, get people to get a ticket. We had some people drop out and so on. And then... um, the last one of the year, I was actually, um, who was it, Tayani Profiro, I can never say her name right. Anyway, she's a black belt, she's doing um, amazing things at the moment, competing at, well, she's a black belt um, at Guild of Fighters, and she asked me if I could do an open mat there, but towards the end of last year, she was spending a lot of time in Brazil, training, she's got a little kid as well, and um she, yeah, it just wasn't possible to do it because she had too much going on. So um, I'd already planned for this year to have um, London Fight Factory as um, as the next one, like February or March or something. So I said to Annie, who trains there, I said, let's bring it forward. Let's do London Fight Factory. We'll do a big Christmas edition. Um, she went, yeah, we can get like 80 people on the mat. It'd be amazing. So... Um, yeah, we we um, put the word out. Um, there's kind of a strategy. I'm no, I'm not great at marketing. I'm sort of self-taught, but I just thought women need a bit of um, notice because they've always got stuff going on. Um, women will always put other people first before training jujitsu. So if I give them an enough notice, so maybe give them. Uh, six weeks notice oh this is when the next London women's open mat's going to be and then maybe um, a couple of weeks later and um, put the poster out there and then set up the tickets and stuff so yeah for the whole of um oh I think it was the whole of November got the tickets all sorted they pretty much not they didn't all go we um instead of being free it was a fiver so that five pounds was going to um Centrepoint homeless charity I just thought it would be something nice to do for for Christmas so um yeah we had um I think 72 people bought tickets uh five reach um but 57 came to the open mat so we had a few no-shows well it was Christmas and on Still a Sunday good, right? yeah people, it was yeah 60 women yeah the biggest one I've ever seen anyway, the biggest yeah. open mat. Um, women who fight, they do quite a few and I know they get a good 50 ladies on a regular basis. So, um, 
Yeah, it was it was fun. It was really good fun. We got um, loads of like fruit and stuff. I always take fruit to the open mat so people can have a little post training snack. Um, had some sweets and mince pies and all that kind of stuff. There was Christmas music playing. Um, we had a raffle as well. So um, one of my other talents is I can press up t-shirts. <laughs> so I pressed up some t-shirts and hoodies all in like jujitsu uh, designs. Um, we had some donations from Soul Taker. They gave a no-gi set. The Jiu-Jitsu Sanctuary gave um, a, a voucher for training and uh, the wellness centre. I'll talk to you about in a bit. Um, and other little bits and pieces. So it was fun. So we had like games to start with. And this is pretty much how it goes. Um, we have games to start with. It's a good icebreaker, um, knee tag. Um, I don't know if you ever played it. It's, no. a, it's a game that I play with. The, um, we play with the kids and stuff. Um, you introduce yourself to your partner and then you've got to go down and tack, tack the knee. <laughs> don't take them down, but just tag the knee. Um, and then everybody switches around and then we play some other games. And then, um, yeah, and then just everybody just starts rolling. So, um not everybody's on the mat at the same time. Like some people are pretty worn out after the games and stuff. So they'll have a little break and then they'll find somebody. And I always say to everybody as well, like, don't be scared. Like if you're a white belt and you want to go and train, you want to go and roll with a purple belt, just call them out. It's, there are some gyms like at St Albans, lower belts aren't allowed to ask the higher belts to, to roll. It has to be the higher grades get preference. I think they always did that at Mill Hill. Mill Hill was the same, yeah. Yeah. So um, I said, don't worry about that. If you see somebody who is your age or weight or similar to you, but we've got different colour belts, it doesn't matter. Just call them out. So um, I get called out all the time. (laughs) And I don't mind, you know. I'll go with the white belts. It's good because I can see that I help them along the way. Um, I'm not one of these people who's like, I'm going to arm by you, I'm going to smash you, I'm going to make you feel like you didn't want to call me out. That That's not going to happen with me. I want to see where they are, what level they are. If they've got three stripes on their white belt, I want to make sure that they know to get the underhook before they're passing the guard. Um, all those kind of things. So it was a lovely atmosphere and at the end of the session we had a raffle. <laughs> so with all the prizes and everything and we had a little game as well. There was um, uh, one little prize uh, left over. It was a framed picture of Elio Gracie in his prime when he was a younger man. <laughs> the moustache picture. Yeah. 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 And the uh, the judo gi that's like yeah, right out yeah. there. <laughs> It was just a bit of fun. So I said, like, who wants to put a Santa hat on, have a sparring session? If your Santa hat falls off, you lose. (laughs) Don't worry about the points. Don't worry about the submissions. It's all about the Santa hat. So um, there's a little girl. What's her name? There's... Uh, Megan Cook, she she volunteered. She's a blue belt of Fight Zone and um, this young girl, uh, Mia, that's her name. And they had a little sparring session and, uh, yeah, Megan's Megan's Santa hat fell off. So <laughs> Mia, Mia won the, uh, the uh, sign picture, uh, sign, um, not sign picture, frame picture of uh, Helio Gracie. Yeah, it was good fun and that's what it was all about. And um, I just want... 
women to feel comfortable in gyms and there was a few girls who since then I'd, I'd seen a seminar last a couple of weekends ago and uh, they said since that open mat we've been in contact with a few of the girls who came down there at other gyms and they've been coming to London Fight Factory to come and train with us and I, we never would have met them before that so it's all about connecting people. I mean, it's what we were saying right at the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Is is kind of just that building the, you know, you you you're building the kind of networks that you want to be part of. Yeah, that's you know? it. So, um, Kat, who who said to me, she, she said, like, these people are coming in, and she's quite small. She's probably like feather lightweight or something like that. Um, but there's a few girls at London Fight Factory who are a little bit bigger, but it's nice for the other people to come in and you get a nice connection with other people from other gyms and that's what it should be about. Danny, who's my coach, he says to me, train wherever you want, go and teach a seminar wherever you want, teach a class wherever you want because he knows that that's my family and I'll always go back there. Um, it. But that's how jiu-jitsu should be because yeah. he encourages it for us to go to different places, train with other people, go to seminars, do that because that's where you test your jiu-jitsu. If you don't want to compete, you don't have to compete. There's there's girls who are, uh, come to the open mats and they're not interested in competition. But to, to understand where their level of jiu-jitsu is, they do go to these open mats. Yeah, I think as well, you know, it's it's kind of um, it's easy to to sort of fall into your pattern and your kind of like I train when I can, you know, I train Mondays, Thursdays at my local club, and like occasionally I'll do a Saturday for grading or whatever, and then all the other kind of jujitsu networking I just do on social media, like I just you know share posts and whatever there's this girl that I follow who she trains here or there's another woman I follow who trains there or whatever but unless somebody actually kind of takes the time like you're doing to put on women's open mats and say hey everybody if you can get to it mm-hmm. just come and meet you, you I think you do again you know it's a, it's a bit like what I was saying earlier about the sort of competing less as you get older just because you can't be bothered mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing even with your normal training it's like yeah you you could always you could say like every single week of the whole year I'm going to find a class that I don't normally go to I've never been to or a new gym or whatever and I'm going to ring them up and I'm going to say can I come and train and I'm going to go do a drop in and, and whatever but that's like difficult it's difficult, you know, on, on a whole different number of, of levels. Someone said to me, they went, oh, this open mat, not this one um, that we just did, but uh, the one over in Stronger, she said, oh, yeah, can you not do this monthly? And I went, no, no, it, that's too much. There's competitions, there's other open mats, there's competition training, seminars, everything like that. And if I was to do them every month... I'd, I don't think I'd get the numbers. And you would, you would burn out as well. Yeah, you would be I, like, oh, Jesus, like every the 28th of every month I've got to commit to doing this yeah. even though I want to go and compete. or Because, mm-hmm. you know, doing it quarterly-ish gives you that flexibility, right? So yeah. say 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 normally your January, your, your early year one, you'd be putting on in January or whatever. You just 
move it to February because you know you've got Euros January, yeah. that's really going to consume all of that. Whereas if you're doing them monthly, it's like, so what do I do? Do it just before I go, just after I come back, try and get it at the beginning of the month? And I think with anything, you have to be consistent. So if I can do four a year, that's easy. I, I, I can still do my job, I can still do my classes and come competitions and go on holiday and all that yeah. kind of stuff still have a life and it's only like four it's, sessions it's, a year i think it's one of the most important things and it's one of the most kind of unglamorous things is like setting something up in a way that you can just make sure you can keep doing it yeah i remember you saying on the um i think it was with ben and smith the end, uh, first year wasn't it when you were saying oh yeah I yes. could do I could do um, more videos and this and that but this is manageable for you yeah. it's like four open mats a year yeah. that's manageable for me and I can make some of them like special I would like to do London Fire Factory again at the end of the year because it's a massive gym it can be the charity one we can have loads and loads of fun like the next one that I'm doing is on the 10th of March so it's close to um what's it called um international women's day that was it that's on the 8th of march so sunday the 10th of march it's in a small gym it's in gym box so we're only going to be able to have about 30 or 40 people but i still want people to um look forward to it and that's Mm. the important thing if you're if you're putting too much out there People don't look forward to it anymore. It's like, oh, it's another one. It's another yeah, you're, one. You're always better, I think, to to produce a little bit less mm-hmm. and there's a demand for it yeah. than produce a little bit too much and then mm-hmm. demand drops off. Uh, I think I think absolutely that's the 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 right way around to do it. So so tenth uh, of March. Tenth of March is going to be at Gym Box in Farringdon. Gym Box in Farringdon. Yeah, I went down there on Friday. And when will you have those tickets? When will they go up? The uh, event bright. It's normally um, the month before, so it'll be the tenth of February that will go up. Um, I give the the girls at the actual gym preference because uh, <laughs> I didn't do that at Fight Zone and there were some girls that were like, but it's my gym and I haven't even got a ticket for it. They've all gone. So I realised like, okay, if I keep that 24 hours for them, they can get as many tickets as they want right. and then, um, yeah, and then uh, make it live for everybody else. So, um, yeah, so that's that's then. And then I've, I've got a bigger one planned for June so it's going to be over in Richmond um, at Vi. Is I think it's quite new. Um, uh, they contacted me late last year, and I was like, oh, "It would be really good to get a really big open mat. We've got massive space." And I, I've looked at the videos of the gym. She sent me videos, and uh, it's all online as well. It's on their Instagram, and it is. It's huge. But the only concern for me is like, oh. It's Richmond. It's such a long way to go. It's like two hours. But there's a lot of people who are over that way and they I mean, come over nice, to East London. This is a nice place. Mm. It's not like high miles away and it's Bradford or yeah, something no. horrible. It's, oh. Richmond's nice. <laughs> yeah, but, there's, um, but for me, because I'm based in Essex, but also um, 
for the girls who are over that way, southwest London, and they're always coming east as well. It's mm. like, oh, okay, it'd be be nice for something to be over there. So if I can do like north, south, east, west, that'll be that'd be good. Yeah. So and have you thought about so so this is something that I, I have discussed with Ibby a few times, but we haven't actually got around to, to sorting anything out. Is because I, I I mean used to come to Nick's um, Friday night techno the sparring right. Mm-hmm. And I always kind of had this idea of like, that's, I, I, I used to love those Friday nights with yeah. the music and the disco ball and the, <laughs> the dry ice, not so much, but the, everything else was good. But I kind of always had this, this idea in the back of my head of like, that was the Nick version of like, hey, just turn up and put music on and we're going to spar. But whether you, so the, the, the kind of the idea that I had, which I, I was talking to Ibi about a couple of times, was to do like, um, so have it as ticketed or whatever, so you know how many people are going to get on the mat, so you know in terms of pairings and whatever. And then have like a, um, a warm-up, like a programmed warm-up. So someone's going to come in and take like a gentle strength and conditioning, bit of stretching, whatever, warm-up. And then you would have maybe an hour sparring, so in your groups of threes or whatever, so that it can happen. You don't have to stop and start. And, you know, it happens mm-hmm. autonomously, three minutes, three minutes, three minutes. You just go in your groups. Um, and then have a cool down, which would might maybe be like a kind of a yoga thing. Tell everyone to bring a blanket, bring a small pillow, so everyone then does a bit of stretching mm-hmm. and you lie down and you finish with yoga. But um, like have a live DJ set to play the music while everyone's rolling so they could play you could either have the whole thing live music so a bit of kind of warm-up music bit of drumming whatever and then whatever's your set while people are rolling and then some nice yoga cool down music or you could have the beginning and the end already re-recorded and just live dj the middle get a couple of projectors put Enter the Dragon up playing on one wall, put, you know, old Pride Fights or ADCC trials or whatever playing on another wall. You know, like a sort of a Hoxton cool bar, small club night, that that kind of vibe where it's actually like a whole event. Get someone to sponsor it in terms of like a... um, coconut waters or whatever so you've got free coconut waters for everyone who's there and just kind of make it like a like a mini club night and then afterwards you know have a little bit of a bar going Love on and, yeah like because i was you know and it's like i i wanted to do it with ibby and ibby loves his club night so he's always like yeah yeah we should do it but none of us actually got around to actually doing it but you know i just think you could kind of make it like a like a club night if you mm. did it on a friday evening or whatever and you just do okay it's seven till 1 a.m you know you need to find a big gym and a gym where they don't have noise problems late at night and all of that but you know you go in there you get get your lasers going you get do your music you know i can make that happen yeah yeah i know you've got because you've gym. got all the and got you've got all the music <laughs> side, got the music right? i've got an, not i haven't got a gym now yeah but you, i've you got the use of I mean? a gym now yeah so you know because i i I just think then if you did those either as one of your four or they were twice a year or whatever, you know how it used to be when it used to be like cream, cream's going to be at Liverpool and everyone Mm. was like, yeah, you know, like July the 10th, whatever. Everyone was waiting for this like festival, night, rave, whatever. 
I, I just think that I think that would be something that is mixed. It's not necessarily just for, for London Women's Open yeah, Mat. Yeah. I think that would be an event for for everybody. Yeah, it would be awesome. Uh, right? Adults, obviously. <laughs> um, not really for kids. Yeah, I could make that happen. Because yeah. I've got the jiu-jitsu sanctuary. Yeah. So there's so, a massive space now. So so let's talk a bit about the jiu-jitsu sanctuary. Okay. So, so, so this is it. a friend of yours yeah. who's opening this mega facility, yeah. Jim. Yeah. Um, it's been... So my friend was part of another gym. I won't go into too many details, but basically um, they let him go. was really upset about it. He came round, um, like, so upset. And I said, look, Jez, this is the biggest blessing of your life. This has happened for a reason, and I'm all for change. I think change is so good. A lot of people are scared of it, but I think that door's closed. This one is open, and you're going to make it the best ever. So, thankfully, one of his best friends is a businessman. He's blue belt in jiu-jitsu. He's a great guy. Um, I teach Mike's wife Corinne and they've got the finances behind it so um it was literally that door's closed okay we need to do something now with because this is Jez's life you know for the last eight years I think it is jiu-jitsu is he's been teaching full-time for eight years so when that closed it's like okay do I get another job and what do I do so um Mike gave him the opportunity he said like there's a unit here. We could make something from this. So um, it's in Chelmsford. It's called the Jiu-Jitsu Sanctuary. We all had a meeting around um, around the table, <laughs> Mike and Corinne's. Um, they told me the name of it and we was all like picking the design of the, the logo and stuff, like all, know, all the heads together. And uh, it was nice to feel part of that because they're my friends as well and... Uh, um, it was nice that they'd they'd asked me to be um, part of it, part of the ideas. So, um, yeah, they said, we found this unit and they got the keys. I believe they got the keys on the 15th of December. So it's the 15th of January today. So four weeks. In four weeks, um, a shell... A massive shell has been completely transformed. They put in the steels for a, a mezzanine floor. They put the floor down. They put a spring floor for the mats to go on. Um, they've created upstairs two changing rooms, two showers, two toilets. Um, and there's a glass balcony as well, like a big high glass balcony that you can look over. Then downstairs, they're calling it the performance uh, centre. So there's going to be strength and conditioning. So... They've had to put um, uh, screed the floor because they they put the uh, steels in. They had the steel plates that were risen, so uh, there was all these bolts. So they've screeded the floor, um, put all the stud walls up for a wellness centre. So in the wellness centre, they're having a flotation tank. They're having a red light sauna. They're having a cryotherapy tank um, and rooms for massage and that kind of stuff. It's the bee's knees, it really and, is. And speak to Krishna, right? Because she would, she would um, want to go and talk to them about doing the, the headset and the EEG for all the hormone measurements. Nice, yeah, it's just, okay. Because it's just the um, 
I think you can either buy a headset, which are maybe like 800 quid a grand, something like that, or they can be rented. Mm -hmm. And then it's just literally like you pay per use of the software. So like if you if no one's using it, don't cost you nothing. Right. If people want to, they're, they're getting ready for fights and they want to know whether they're overtraining or anything else, okay. you can just do the EEG and do the do the hormone monitoring. Because, um, I, you know, I, I had said to her, like I think anybody who's got like a proper big facility, this would actually be great for them to be able to include. Mm-hmm. So alongside, you know, all of your other rest and recovery and training and everything else that's in there and whatever nutrition services you offer and a a chiropractor, osteopath, whatever, you can also do this kind of hormone measurement stuff, which is really useful. Yeah. So you can talk to her as well. Yeah, I will do. I'll I'll go back on the the podcast and I'll get her details. Thank you. Yeah, so the Wellness Centre is about recovery, Um, everything to do with... um, jiu-jitsu recovery strength and conditioning recovery anything else so they're making the wellness center a charity so the gym is going to be a charity they're going to be sponsoring people for um uh competitions and that kind of stuff as well so mike and corinne have got another company and they sponsored Corey mckenna who is in the ufc i think she's got a fight coming up and maybe it's in eight weeks. Uh, she's just announced it anyway. They they don't sponsor her anymore because she's got all her other packages and stuff. So um, it kind of set her on her way. Um, she's made a little bit of a name for herself in the USC and she's getting there now. So if it's helping people to um, get that lift up to the next stage... Um, that's what it's going to be for. Um, but with the wellness centre, they're going to use the profits. I think it's uh, like 10% of the profits or whatever from the wellness centre. Anybody who uses any of the equipment there or um, flotation tack or whatever, 10% of those profits are going to go to Reorg. So um, everybody knows Reorg is like a part of jiu-jitsu and uh, there's a lot of people like, um, what's his name? What's he at? Tom Hardy. He, he supports it, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. So... They, they produce their own geese and, yeah, it's a charity. So Mike being ex-military, he was really keen on having that as um, something that he wanted to give back to um, jiu-jitsu, I suppose. And, and uh, um, people who are coming from the military, they're training. There's going to be discounts as well for, for people there and... Um, emergency services and that kind of stuff so yeah we'll have the use of this gym this incredible super gym and it's mad how i'm sure some people would probably be like oh yeah but it's been years in the making you've been thinking no no it was literally this needs to be done let's get it sorted so it i think it was end of october that's when we was all putting the ideas together. And obviously Mike and Jez have probably always talked about, because they train together all the time, they've probably always talked about, oh, yeah, it would be great to have a gym with this. It would be great to have a gym with that. And now it's actually happening. Um, today is the first class. Oh, really? So, yeah. So they're doing a soft opening before um, February. Yeah, so what yeah. I mean by that is a limited timetable. They're doing lunchtime and evening, just that. 
um, there's still a little bit of building work going on. Um, nothing, uh, not everything is fully functioning. Mm. As you can imagine, in like four weeks, I went down there on Saturday and I was like, oh man. Was that the photos right. you put up? Oh no, Jez took those, um, I think it was last week when they just put the maps down. Yeah. So he took those and the mats were down everything was all nice and tidy but on saturday the glass balcony was um like this big glass sheet that overlooks the balcony that was going in and uh yeah there was a lot of building work going on i'm thinking oh my god there's so much to do but then i looked back on when i was i bought the property that i live in and in four weeks some people coming in and they're like oh my god you've got so much to do and i'm like no i've actually done a lot in this time and these guys the builders have literally been working every day i spoke to one of them on saturday because i know him because they had worked at mike and corinne's house when i'd been there and he said um yeah apart from christmas day and boxing day you know i've been here every day so they're working hard (laughs) to get it all done so um, I think it's better like that, right? It has like the energy. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like when you see those uh, TV, you know, rebuild, redo someone's house shows where they're like, we got to get it done, yeah. 48 hours left. Because I think otherwise, you know, especially with building work, um, not that I'm an expert in any way, but everyone I talk to is like, it just dragging on yeah. and on yeah. and on. And now well, they can't get materials. Is, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there's still stuff that I've got to do. I've got, oh, yeah, I haven't done that. And it's like silly little jobs, you know. Yeah. But if you go there, you get it all done. You've got a deadline, 31st of January, because on the 1st of February, that's when all the memberships kick in and yeah. pe- they'll be charging. So um, not that this podcast will go out before then, but um, until the end of January, anybody who goes and trains there, they'll be able to train for free. But it's nice because Jed has where he's been such a great coach to so many people, he's got a really good following of jiu-jitsu athletes. So no doubt that they'll follow him and go over there. I mean, it's a great facility and it's going to be even better when it's completely finished as well. And you're going to be teaching them? Yeah, I'm going to be... They asked me if I would teach the ladies' classes and I'm like, yep, okay. So there's going to be two ladies' classes a week, Tuesday, 7 o'clock, Friday, 6 o'clock. Um. It's also the only gym in the UK that has two over 50s classes per week. So they call it the Masters. Amazing. So they have, um, you you probably know, you've spoken about it quite often. There's people who are starting jiu-jitsu later in life. We've got um, a guy called Dave at our gym. I think he's in his 60s. Um he always says to me, he went, oh, Dan Strauss, his son went to school with, <laughs> with uh, oh no, and Dan Strauss went to school with his son. So he was like, whenever you see Dan, tell him so-and-so says hello. And I'm like, okay, all right. But <laughs> I don't know if you remember him, but um, yeah, he's, he's an older guy and I'm sure that he would appreciate older people to train with because it, your heart rate slows down as you get older and you can't train as fast and... You're not a whippersnapper like these 18-year-old kids are. And, and also, you know, you're, this, this is something that I've, again, I've sort of I've talked to Ibi about a, a couple of times about doing an over 40s, like once a week, whatever. Mm-hmm. But again, we haven't actually made anything happen. Because it's not just that you heart, your heart doesn't, uh, you know, beat as fast and it takes longer to warm up and there's, you know... 
um, other things that change with age. But I think also you're kind of um, like your overall intention and focus and goals are going to be much different when Mm. you're 50 than they are when you're 20. Because for most people men and women, and I think maybe particularly men, but but most people, when you're 20, you're still sort of trying to find your way in the world. Like, who am I going to be? Like, I, I'm still thinking I'm going to be rich or famous or have 10 kids or live in Dubai or whatever. Once you get to 50, you're like, kind of, I've, I've yeah. gone through like a, decent chunk of my life like pretty much where I am is kind of that's it's going to be more of the same it might change a little bit but I think you know you kind of from your training certainly for me as I'm older is like I want to be able to just keep training Mm -hmm. I like jujitsu I enjoyed doing it I'm I have no uh illusions that maybe in another three years time I can win ADCC no in another three years' time, hopefully, I can still train. I can still go, it's Monday, have I got day off work? Yes. Do I want to train? Yes. Okay, I can go. Not my knee don't work yeah. or my back don't work. I think also when you get older, you still have that thirst for knowledge. When you're younger, yeah, I don't know if you was anything like me, I was just like, okay, whatever, I feel like I know everything. Yeah, and you're all over I just the place, wanna, right? Yeah, all over the place. But now I want to... You always want to learn. I think that's probably why jiu-jitsu is so popular now mm. because my friend said to me um, just a little while ago, she hasn't trained for a couple of years now, she's purple belt, but she said, uh, I want to do this and I want to do that when I go back to training. And I said, yeah, but those techniques, they've probably evolved quite a bit from the last time that you've trained. There's going to be details in those techniques that – um, make them better so that's the thing with jiu-jitsu is like you, you'll train it's kickboxing you've got I don't know 16 kicks or whatever it is um, knees if you do knees as well elbows if you do elbows but you've got those 16 kicks and yeah all right you can make different combinations but it stays as it is you mm. know but there's always techniques in jiu-jitsu that are evolving or even the basic stuff you there's still ways to make those techniques better Mm. and all the details in them makes them better and i getting older i have this thirst for knowledge i want to make my jiu-jitsu better i don't necessarily want to be full-time athlete doing i don't make a living out of it and stuff i've got job i'm fine (laughs) but there are the youngsters yeah they do and they've got that opportunity if they want it but as you get older i think you do just want to have um you still want to learn you still want to use your mind um there's so many people when they get to retirement age and they're like oh okay that's all right i'm just gonna switch the television on now sit in front of the tv and program myself into (laughs) thinking life's over yeah no it's it's terrible i mean there's again something that that i've mentioned a couple of times on the podcast that that shocked me is the number one killer of women in the uk is Mm. alzheimer's i was like how can that even be a thing 
but mm. but yeah, it's ahead yeah. of everything else. A friend of mine, her mum's got Alzheimer's, and it, it's mad because it leads us on to what I wanted to talk to you about, which is um, toxins and that kind of stuff. I'm no, I'm not an expert in um, nutrition or what goes into food and stuff. It's just what I've found out personally, but. Um, food now has so much sugar in it my friend's mum she would drink wine on a daily basis even if it was just a glass half a glass wine full of sugar you look at um there's so many hidden sugars now so um if i go back to like uh earlier last year i was getting quite unwell and i couldn't work out what it was I was getting um like flu symptoms and coughing like chest infection and I had it four times and I thought what is going on what on earth is happening to my body I don't I don't get this um and it started to get me a little bit worried so as you know I didn't wear a mask in COVID um one it it would make me like panic and stuff but too I just I didn't think it was right anyway but I went to Spain in um 2020 to see my mum it was in October 2020 I had to go over there she'd um do some paperwork for her house that she was selling and she said to me Jolie you've got to wear a mask and I've got this one for you she said I've got it so that um it's got a little metal thing over the top and fold it in and then you'll be able to breathe and stuff in the two, three days that I was in Spain, I had a couple of panic attacks just from wearing this mask. And then when I came home, I got a chest infection. And I think it was from breathing my own breath mm. <laughs> over and over again, uh, wearing this mask. So last year, I'm thinking, why am I getting these chest infections? Is it the, <coughs> there was talk about um, Teflon being on some of the masks? And I thought, I wonder if I've got a bit of Teflon in my chest. And I did get worried about it, and then I got I, I got better again, and then I got another chest infection. Never took any antibiotics or anything. Just did the um, honey, lemon, ginger, and hot water, um, and then I had to go to for a, a medical for something that I'm doing. And uh, I spoke to the doctor, and I said, "Oh, I've got this cough at the moment." He went, "I can give you antibiotics," and I went. No, I don't want to take antibiotics. He went, well, what about taking um, uh, turmeric in milk? And I went, yeah, well, you have to put black pepper in it as well, don't you, so that you can digest the turmeric properly. It's called golden milk. And he went, you know about that? And I said, well, yeah. And he said, in my he's from Pakistan, my doctor. He said, in my country, it's the old people who know about that. And he said, it works. And I did. I took it every day, every evening. I was having golden milk and it was helping. And what else helped was the cordyceps. I got on that. Amazing. Yeah. I, anybody who's got um, struggles breathing or anything like that, take it it's so good enriched <laughs> yeah I, I, that was the one that i noticed yeah the cordyceps yeah 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 lion's vein as well that's amazing but yeah the cordyceps massively helped me so um i thought i need to get to the bottom of this what is going on so um i contacted my doctor and i said this is what's been happening i've been coughing eight weeks i'd been coughing and it was, get, it was getting me down a little bit, I'll be mm. honest with you. You think, oh, God, what if there is something seriously wrong? So he sent me for a chest x-ray, 
did the x-ray and the guy said to me, uh, okay, thank you. And I went, is that it? And he went, yeah, if there's anything um, that I did, any worry, then I'll tell you now. He said, but I think it's fine. So that was all clear. And then I had um, a blood test, six vials of blood taken out my arm. And it came back with, um, I have something called high, I don't know if I'm saying this word right, esinophil levels. So I looked it up because I basically just got a text message from my doctor to say, you have high esinophil levels in your blood. And that was it. Don't, don't tell me what I can do about it. So I worked it out for myself. I Googled it and it said it comes from stress. It comes from allergies um, and environments. So I thought, okay, last uh, about 18 months ago, I did um, a sensitivity test. I just sent a little bit of my hair off. A lot of people will say, oh, I don't believe in all that. It's a load of rubbish. You've got to go and have a blood test and blah, blah, blah. This, I knew this was legit because I, I know that I'm, uh, I have a really bad reaction to chia seeds. Chia seeds was 100% and I thought, okay. I've also got, um, uh, I have bad reactions to um, avocado that didn't come up, but apparently avocado is um, the least um, allergenic food. So it probably wouldn't come up because of that. Right. So anyway, I have a bad reaction to that. So, and there was a load of other stuff. It was going from 100% all the way down to about 78%. So um, anything over 90%, that's what you've got to look at. So there were things on there that I was lacking. So vitamin A, I was lacking. So I started taking vitamin A. And then when I stopped, I got wiped out, just tired all the time. Started taking it again, back up to normal. So I thought, okay, this is legit. I know it's, I know it's correct. So um, there was a few other things that I didn't really pay too much attention to. One of them came up, soya. So um, I don't eat meat, I eat fish, and I do have soya products every so often, like corn and um, Lindum Carney burgers, they've all got soya in them. So um, I looked back on all the times when these chest infections started and when I was really, really unwell, what happened in my time? Because my, di- my diet's pretty simple. is fish and veg or veg and veg. <laughs> so I can pinpoint things pretty easily. So I got, um, I looked back on um, the times when it started after competition. I would binge on chocolate. What's in the chocolate soya lecithin and I couldn't work it out straight away I thought it was a few e numbers because uh, it's normally um, lower grade chocolate that has soya in it I guess it's just to thin it out a little bit or bulk it up um, get the least amount of chocolate in there and then bring up everything else Mm. Cadbury's has changed over the years it's now got two e numbers in there so um, I I binge on this chocolate because being a martial arts instructor, teacher, people give me gifts. They give me chocolate. So I don't just eat one here and there. I'll just eat the whole lot. So it got to, um, yeah, after competition, I think it was after I came in on the podcast for, I need to eat all these chocolates. I've had them for too long. And then it got to June. And again, 
I've got these chocolates, they're from Christmas, I need to eat them, and I'd get unwell. And all these times I'm linking it to eating this chocolate with soy lecithin in it. So I started looking into um, reading ingredients, basically. I read a book, oh, I didn't read it, I listened to a book called Ultra Processed People. I can't remember the name of the doctor who um, wrote it, but he's a twin, Um amazing book and listening to the video uh, uh sorry listening to the audio um they had a podcast on there as well so he was talking to his brother his brother was a big guy and uh, he said to him like you're calling out all these companies who have got um who are producing all this food with all these toxins in um hidden chemicals bread bread has so many ingredients now if you buy a loaf of hovis it's not, it hasn't got four ingredients, which bread should have. Mm. It's got like 40 ingredients and they're all hidden sugars. If you look at what dextrose is, dextrose is in crisps. Mm. But crisps, you would see it as a savoury, but dextrose is like, is a sugar. It'll bring you up there and it'll drop you down there. So your insulin levels are going up and down and they're not level all the time. And the same with bread as well. Um, Hovis, 40 ingredients, um, loads of stuff's got palm oil in it now. The, the thing that surprised me, I can't remember what I was watching, but they were talking about Coca-Cola. Mm. And I think I think probably other fizzy drinks as well, but they've got salt added to them to make you thirsty. Yeah. So the more you drink them, the more thirsty you get, the yeah. more you drink them. Yeah. So, I mean, everything is, is designed really just to addict you, right? Yeah. That's Biscuits have got loads of salt in it because yeah. it makes you have one biscuit. Yeah. And then you want another one because yeah. <laughs> it's the salt that makes you yeah. want more and more and more. Yeah, and also, so, you know, you then you want a cup of tea, another cup of tea, another biscuit, you yeah. know. It's, yeah, and it's, you've eaten the packet. Yeah, yeah. I've done that many uh, times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it does work. <laughs> so I was looking into this and the, um, on the audio book, the doctor's talking to his brother and he's saying, well, um, you're calling out all these companies saying they're really bad, they're really bad, they're really bad. They're going to sue you. And he went, they can't sue me because it's the truth. Mm. You can't sue somebody. Yeah. That, I don't know if you've ever um, read uh, Robert Kennedy Jr.'s book. No. Oh, that's good. You, we won't go into it because it's a different thing. But they can't About sue the, uh, him because, yeah, yeah, they can't sue him because he's telling the truth. Yeah. How can you take somebody to court because they're telling the truth? And, and in fact, it's quite, that's the last thing they want to do, right? Because mm-hmm. the last thing they want to do is get in a court where they also have to tell the truth. So, you know, you find that, that people that, you know, n- never get sued are the ones who are telling the truth because actually the the other party would rather just say, oh, he's... he's an idiot we, we don't want to deal with him because mm. if you get to court then the judge says okay we'll present your case and they're like well actually it's even worse yeah. <laughs> than what he said but with food now you go into the big supermarkets and it's it's all done for convenience it's very difficult though to to get clean food mm. like unless you're growing stuff yourself yeah heirloom seeds and you've got you know a decent plot of land and whatever like i'm, I'm gonna go i think hopefully gosh we might go actually on saturday my mum um is in various you know 
fight the government groups and one of them they uh this this uh woman's raised a cow organic living on clean land only mm. ever eating grass etc and it was basically four people were going to have a quarter of this cow each to eat and one of them dropped out so they then contacted my mum and said, look, we'll, we'll, of the quarter that's available, we'll, we'll split an eighth with you. And she said, do you want to split that eighth, me and her? Mm. So we're going to get, I think we're going to get 20 kilos of beef, uh, various bits and pieces. I don't know exactly what, I suppose yeah. a bit of everything. But, I, you know, I, I, I do find these days, you know, I, I, I try to eat as well as possible without obsessing over it. And I try to buy like good quality, nice free range looking eggs, the mm. more expensive ones and the same if I buy bread and the same if we buy veggies or whatever. But it's just, it's difficult to really know whether it, somewhere down the line is something contaminated. sprayed on it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a bit like, sad. Yeah, it is. Years ago, I've, I think it's about 17, 18 years I haven't eaten meat intentionally i say intentionally because there's been a few times when it's been on a pizza and i hadn't known right. or i've been in thailand and thinking i'm eating a fried banana and it's not it's actually fried chicken right. <laughs> but anyway um i stopped eating meat say it's 18 years ago um purely because i i had one of those um George Foreman, lean, mean, fat gluing machine, yeah. And I'd put a bit of chicken on it and so much water would come out of it. And then it was um, Hugh Fernley Wivenstall, chef I believe he is, he did a programme about chickens and they just pump them with water. I don't even know what I'm getting. I didn't particularly like um, chicken anyway. It doesn't taste of anything. I don't particularly like eating beef but now over the years I think mm, I don't think I'd like to eat an animal anyway but I remember um, when I was listening to Spencer he was saying like he does he feels better for eating meat and we're meant to do that aren't yeah, we? I, do, I, I feel better for eating meat I mean I'm, I'm not a big fan of chicken um, but the, the one thing that I really noticed was uh, so there, there's a butcher just sort of up the road from me like a proper old school butcher and I didn't even know it was there. Mm. I mean, I'd lived in my flat for 20 years. Like, I, I don't really walk down that part of the high road. I, was, I probably was vaguely aware, like, oh, there's a butcher's there. But I'd never even looked in the window. And then maybe like over the last two years, I've started to, to go in there for, for meat. And I'll buy, I'll normally buy, sometimes ribeye, but it's quite expensive, um, pork belly, Lamb chops, lamb ribs. Um, I had some beef shin the other day. That was lovely. They just had it in the thing and he, he, he said, have you had that? And I said, no. And it's cheap because it's like, a, you know, you've got to really sort of mm. slow cook it. But I actually, I like slow cooked meat. But the, the, the difference between if I get, say, a, a steak from the butcher and I get a steak from a supermarket, the, the supermarket meat... Will, will literally go to maybe a third of its size once I cook it. These steaks, they don't, they mm. don't move. Like if I measure it, you know, with a tape measure, I can put it in the pan and it's an inch thick. I cook it and it's an inch thick. Mm. Like it hasn't got anything pumped into it. 
you know, you can tell when you when you're eating it when you cook it. Whereas that's the, the thing super- is, an independent shop. Yeah. yeah. They, you get so much more quality from independent shops. So I buy my fruit and veg from I call it the Iranian shop because the owner is Iranian. Yeah. Majority of people are working in there from Pakistan, but. Um, Say if I'm in the supermarket, a sweet potato be that big. Yeah. Sweet potato in the shop is that big. Um, and I always say to him, like, you get the best stuff in here. I bought this broccoli head. Oh, my God. It was Honestly, it was out there. And he said, it's because the people who we buy from, they let things grow, whereas the supermarket is mass. So you've got to just, like, pump it out as quickly as possible. And that's why everything is so small. And yeah. that, I'll go into the supermarket and I think, seriously i actually cannot believe they're selling this this is such bad quality people people just want the price point and the convenience but the thing is though this iranian shop much cheaper than a supermarket yeah Yeah, for fruit and veg you you actually can Mm. get like cheap good quality stuff but you have to go to the shop there's there's a couple of shops along the little so where i live i I live by um thames estuary westcliff so in leon sea there's a um that we're we're spoiled with the um the cockle sheds and fishmongers and stuff so i'll go to a fishmonger and christmas day we had a we didn't eat turkey. I was like, neither. I don't eat turkey. My mum doesn't eat turkey. So we, I got some sea bass, whole sea bass. It was that big, and it was about eight quid, I think, something like that. You go to the supermarket, you get two fillets, not even the whole fish for like a fiver or something. Yeah. So you're getting so much more quality from going to independent places, but it's the convenience for a lot of people because they haven't got the time to go to. Uh, the fishmonger, the butchers, mm. the um, fruit and veg, green grocers, they haven't got the time to split everything I have. Mm. There's places where um, I can go where I live and you just refill your empty containers and stuff. So, um, like cleaning, um, I clean stuff with my bath and windows with white vinegar and i can take my empty bottles go there and you pay for that and they sell toilet roll they sell pasta they sell nuts all all sorts of stuff and you just go it's called the refill room so it's independent nobody it's not franchise or anything it's just Gemma and her husband who own it and that's another thing as well you know the names of all of the shop owners um so but yeah people don't have that time now they they want to just go to one shop get everything in there even get their underwear and the slippers and the night gowns and all those kind of things all in one shop or, or even more so just a home delivery yeah. like don't even go to yeah. the shop just yeah. literally sit at home and click a few buttons on the computer and it says well do you want the same as what you had last week yes plus some fish fingers and it's made everybody so lazy last week i um i did a first aid pediatric first aid course and we got talking about allergies because that was part of the um, the course. And the trainer, he said, is anybody allergic to anything? And I said, oh, yeah, me, blah, 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 E-numbers and all that kind of stuff. And um, there was a lady there. She said, can I speak to you? And she said, my son, um, we think he, he's got ADHD. And I'm like, okay, ADHD. Right, what is he eating? Give him a, give him a label. <laughs> what is he in she said well we worked it out that it could be some color e numbers and i said okay well does he 
um, what does he eat? And she said, well, we eat crap, really. We don't have a really good diet. I said, okay. Well, what does he have for breakfast? Cereal. Okay, there's your problem. It's got sugar in it. So the kid's getting to school. He's not focusing. He's causing havoc in school or whatever. He's just not focusing on his work. So swap it. Give him some avocado and scrambled eggs in the morning and see what happens but when you tell people that and they go oh no that that means that I've got to spend some money um rather than spending three quid on a big box of cereal I've got to spend three quid on six eggs I think that the the there's still like a, a massive kind of um programming overhang where people think that fat is bad for you Oh, yeah. Because, you know, a lot of people, if you say, look, actually, you should be swapping out your cornflakes, semi-skimmed milk and maybe a piece of toast. You should be swapping that out for two or three eggs, bacon if you want to eat bacon Mm. or some sardines or whatever, some avocado, some leaves, some sprouted greens. They'll say, like, like have three eggs, like, every morning and Mm. some bacon. Yeah. It's like, actually... It's much better for you than just eating loads of sugar, chemicals, E-numbers with Mm -hmm. something that makes it crunchy, something that makes them brown, something that makes them, you know, keep in the packet for six months. It's it's just absolute garbage. A few years ago, my mum went on the Slimming World diet, fat-free diet. Insane. Oh my goodness! I said, uh, I, I remember her coming around mine. I think um, we had a barbecue, and or no, 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 we didn't have a barbecue. I made um, my own fish fingers, so um, strips of cod, and put uh, ground almonds over them, um, and cooked them in the oven. Really nice, really tasty, and made my own coleslaw with full fat mayonnaise. Don't ever do low fat at all. I knew that from years and years ago somebody said to me yeah you take the fat out of something you've got to replace it with something else and it's normally chemicals so I always have full fat everything so um I had this big plate of like salads coleslaw homemade everything was homemade my mum went oh my goodness this is all fat this is so bad for me and then after her doing the swimming world diet she's like oh my hips really hurt and just I don't feel great. Like, she'd lost a lot of weight. But I said, Mum, you don't realise this is... You're taking fat out of your diet. You need good fats in your diet. You need the avocado. You need the nuts. She wouldn't eat nuts because they were good fats. But now she's... I've educated her (laughs) into um, getting into the the good fats. Yeah, well, this is one of the other things that that links back to the the Alzheimer's thing. Yeah. Um, is, Is that the... Your brain is made of cholesterol mm-hmm. and the the most prescribed drugs, certainly in this country, probably in, in many Western countries, are statins. Mm-hmm. And nobody at the moment, as, as we know, the experts, they don't seem to be able to work out the cause of anything because, you know, we've got... <laughs> 20% increased death rate and baffled. everyone's baffled. Yeah, no one, no, no one could possibly imagine why. But, but it's the same with the, with the um, Alzheimer's is that as far as I'm aware, you know, no one, no one can understand why and we're going to have to mm. do some modelling and some research and whatever. But everybody's been put on statins 
Statins block your body from absorbing cholesterol. Your brain is made of cholesterol. You're blocking your brain from being able to rebuild itself by you know the nature of of how the how the how the the drugs work and not just that but it it seems again I, i don't claim to be an expert but it seems if you look at the actual data and the actual science cholesterol is not bad for you at all it's good for you you're supposed to have it what's the problem is sugar always sugar chemicals and, and all of that but you know in terms of the actual food group things the sugar is is always the problem like p- people people actually say that um uh alzheimer's is type 3 diabetes it's just diabetes of the brain mm-hmm. where the brain is not able to process all this sugar that's that's hitting it yeah so we just i mean it's the same with so many things we just kind of completely arse backwards in the way we approach things in the way we think about things in the way we do things in the way we interrogate things it's just it's completely backwards and you do have to do kind of exactly what you've done which is go okay i've got problem with my chest infections i need to figure out why Mm. and then i need to deal with it because Mm -hmm. you're not really going to find the answers by by following the the mainstream advice yeah so uh new year's day denny came around mine had a little gathering and she brought she brought this bag of like chocolates um because being a yoga teacher she gets given loads of stuff all the time she's like oh take this take this and uh, my friend friend's son was there so he was taking some bits she ended up taking some stuff back home and i was talking to her about this soya lesser then she said that that's what it affects me as well so if it's affecting her how many other people is it affecting and are the symptoms the same or are they different um i know that when um I do like Haribo sweets, but I can't eat them anymore because I come up with um, this stuff on my face and it feels like glass is popping out of my face. It's, it's horrible and it feels gross as well. Um, so I have to stay away from it. If I eat a lot of sugar, if I eat a lot of um, anything with sugar in it, my, my hands hurt, all my joints hurt, my hips hurt, everything hurts. And I don't know, I don't think it's my age. I think it's the product. I think it, it can't be my age because if Denny's only just been noticing it over the last couple of years and I'm looking back on all the times when I've been unwell and it's linked to overdosing on chocolate and... I think, I think though, you do yeah. have less wiggle room the older you get. Yeah. So I think yeah. I don't I don't think necessarily you can sort of put things down to age on the basis of, oh, it's because I'm in my well, 40s. Well, our hormones change every seven years. So what I was tolerant to seven years ago or even yesterday <laughs> might not be tolerant to today. Um, and also what your, what your body is intolerant to but manages and mm-hmm. copes with is going to is going to be you're going to be less able to you know i suppose a good example would be like getting a hangover when you're 15 or 20 and you get a hangover you're like rotten for a few hours you have a fry up you have go to the toilet whatever mm-hmm. and then you're kind of like oh, you know what let's go pub i feel all right <laughs> yeah. whereas at this age it's like no, yeah. your week is yeah. is going to suffer yeah, like yeah. you're going to take you a few days to really 
get back to it. And and it's just because everything's more difficult if you do it wrong to 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 deal with as you get older. Mm-hmm. So I think I don't you know I don't think like same with injuries, right? Mm-hmm. You 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 get an injury, you get an injury when you're 20, when you're 50, it's the same injury. It's just when you're 50 it takes 10 times longer to heal because yeah. everything's kind of slowing down and And recovery as well. Yeah. I struggle with recovery now. So if I I, I know this week five times I'm going to be training. So I've really got to look after myself. I need to make sure I'm stretching after training, warming up properly, stretching after training. Um, Because it takes me a good few days to recover properly. I tell you the thing that I've noticed, and I'm I'm lazy with it, but I should be less lazy with it, is having some carbs particularly, maybe some protein as well, straight after I train. Yeah, same. If I do that, the next day, I'm generally I'm fine. I'm, if it's a really hard session, I might still feel a bit battered in the morning. But fundamentally, the 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 next day battered will be like joints and stuff. It won't be the muscles. The muscles mm. would be all right. But if I'm kind of lazy and I come home and I have a shower and then I open my phone and then I'm on Instagram for a bit and whatever and then I think oh, I better make some food and mm. and I miss that hour, couple of hours where I didn't have a bit of carbs and, and protein and stuff. Then the next day, I wake up and I feel I don't, I don't ever eat after training. I might have some nuts or something like that on the way home from training, but I never eat. I never feel hungry. I feel good because I, but it, I know it's wrong. Yeah, you kind and of I want to stay that. away from protein powder now as well because, again, it's got, I think it's got multidextrose in it. Gosha's Cheers. got a really good one. Um, I'll, I'll send you the, the link for it. It's got... Um, it's, it's probably now the only one not that i've tried loads recently but it's probably now the only one that i can drink and it doesn't make me get bloated and uncomfortable mm. and and whatever it's got digestive enzymes and things in it it's got kind of all the healthy stuff to allow you to process it and i think it's got you know no additives and nothing from gmo and da, 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 da. it's it's reasonably expensive but you don't need a lot of it i mean i just mm. have like three quarters of a scoop when i remember to take it i don't have it that often um but yeah you 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 know you just you just got to be really kind of more and more careful on what you're putting into your body the older Mm. you get i mean i was talking to dan the other day about when he was uh he was saying when he was bulking up so if you if you want to listen to that episode put a link up here on uh, youtube um (laughs) But he was he was saying like when you when he was gaining weight, he was like eating was my full time job. So this I think he was probably like seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. And he was saying that he would he'd think he set himself a goal, like a half a kilo a week of body weight that he's gotta add. So he said some weeks would be fine, but other weeks he said, you know, I would get to like whenever it was, whenever he's gonna do his way, like Friday night or whatever. And he said, I'll get on the scales and I'd be like a kilo and a half light because I'd been training really hard, sweating a lot and whatever. And he's like, now I eat. He's like, I wouldn't go to bed until I hit that weight. Okay. So I'll drink a glass of water, weigh myself again. Next was half a litre of butternut squash soup, weigh myself again. Next was a protein shake, weigh again. Next was a plate of pasta. And then I just keep eating the pasta until I'm the correct weight on the scales and he said like i put on 10 kilos in like three months all fat and water and whatever and then he said and, and then i uh 
And then I had like two weeks where I just shit myself and threw up for two weeks solidly and lost the whole lot again. <laughs> but, you know, when you're young, you, you can get away stuff. with that stuff. It's just, it's just like an experiment, mm. right? When you get older, you just, you, you can't do it. It's a, mm. it's a little bit miserable. It's a little bit depressing. I definitely yearn for the days when I'm like, fuck it, get the Domino's menu, let's get it, triple yeah. pepperoni, yeah. Let's, let's do it order some bottles of coke as well but that's another thing as well now that um well i understand a lot of the chemicals and things that they put in food and even if you've got one of the nicest pizzas from the supermarket still got a taste something yeah that stuff i don't i said to gosha just the other day like i don't really crave that stuff anymore i i I, sometimes i mentally want it because Mm. i remember that first mouthful of a nice pizza and it's and I still think I'm going to feel good rather than awful but but now I'm I'm kind of more like I I actually often feel like I want to eat eggs I love eggs lately Burford Browns I get those Bluebell Arabella whatever they're called Mm -hmm. whatever's like the good nice orange yoked good eggs Mm -hmm. do them with a bit of ghee or whatever in the frying pan a bit of bacon I uh, if I have uh, bread with it, toast. I'll throw that in so it soaks up all the bacon fat, and have that for breakfast. Bit of avocado, some sprouts or whatever. I feel great. Mm. I I genuinely feel good for the next three, four, five, six hours. Like mm. not hungry, not tired, not bloated, just yeah. really settled. And you know, my gut as I've got older has been like really much more sensitive like Mm -hmm. i I guess i can say like i would i I would now class myself that i have ibs where i never used to but what i eat makes so much difference Mm -hmm. and like stress and anxiety and whatever makes difference yeah probiotics um digestive enzymes quite often i'll have some if i have like a big meal i'll have a digestive enzyme capsule with it and i try now not to eat too close to bedtime so i'm not lying down flat with a full stomach you know and it it makes a big difference like Mm -hmm. i can feel it if i eat rubbish i'm like i know tomorrow i'm gonna be i'm gonna pay for it so just gradually over time i'm more and more like i like good quality meat Mm -hmm. i like eggs i like avocados I like smoked salmon. I like just kind of yeah. the stuff that's kind of nutritious and full of sort of good, healthy energy and fats and protein. Mm. Because I'm, you know, my body's learning. Like, eat that, you'll feel better. Yeah, eat exactly. This, I've been that, like that for a few years. Knowing, oh, every so often I will eat a load of rubbish, and then you do feel rubbish, and you have to keep bullying yourself yeah. come on you're gonna eat that that's how well, you're gonna it's, feel it's, it's habit forming isn't it it's mm-hmm. forming the 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 new better habits of just doing the right things and just adjusting to doing those i mean the same with with jujitsu right or, or or with going to the gym let's say is that it's it's very difficult and this comes right back to that that whole thing about sort of s- sustainability being able to actually stick to something mm-hmm. is that the only way really you can stick to things is to make them a habit. Whether it's a good habit or a bad habit or whatever, the only way it sticks is when it becomes habit. So when you start having eggs every day, after like 
couple of months or a month or three months or six months or whatever. It's just that's just what you do. You just have eggs every yeah. day. You're always thinking in the back of your head, like, I'm going shops, have we got enough eggs? Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like, what well, I know I'm going to get through whatever it is, 10 eggs a week. I can make sure there's some eggs in the fridge. So, you, you know, you, you, you just, it, it takes time. And, and I'm sure there are plenty of ways that you can speed up that process by doing, you know, meditations and doing this and attaching certain things and doing NLP and blah, blah, blah. But really, it's just that repetition of the thing. And then it just becomes part of, of what your routine is and part of what you do yeah. getting up early. Last year when I was training for the Europeans, I loved what I was eating. I really enjoyed it. I made sure that I had eggs every day. Um, I just made it a thing like, okay, this today I'm going to have scrambled eggs with a load of cheese and some uh, fried mushrooms as well, cook those in butter, a little bit of parsley, and then change it up. Maybe the next day I have an omelette. Maybe the next day have, I don't know, a fried egg on toast or something like that. Change it up so it's, it doesn't become mundane. Eggs mm. are so versatile. They I love are. them so much. I, do, I eat them every day. I give them to my dogs as well. And, um, yeah, probably my f- favourite food. That I think, I think at the moment they are my they are yeah. my favourite food. I mean, they're, 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 it is it is kind of a, like a perfect food, and I think as well, even on the on the um, you know the the vegetarian, vegan, ethical side of things, mm. if you're getting your eggs from somewhere where you know those chickens are just hanging out in the grass and eating worms, mm. there's, there's no it's karma free food. Yeah, they're churning up the soil, they're putting all the refertilizing it, they're pulling up bugs and doing this that and the other all the stuff that that soil needs and they're, and they're giving you an egg every day mm. years ago I, uh, I think i had salmonella <laughs> i don't know what it was um yeah i think it was like 10 years ago or something like that but i put it down to the eggs that i was eating and they were caged eggs yeah bad quality and since then i was like no i'm just gonna go with i mean it's free crazy range. as well if you if you buy like really good eggs the yolk is like, it's almost red. It's Mm. just like such a completely different colour. It It looks um, so rich. There's a brand, Clarence something. Yeah, Yeah. uh, the the Burford Browns, Clarence Court. That's the ones I get. Clarence Court, they're just so good. Yeah, they're amazing. Mm. And and, uh, so they, at at Tesco, here's my little top tip, they they normally have between those Burford Brown eggs, the Bluebell Arabella eggs, which are the, yeah. they're the blue shells, but they're mm-hmm. really orange inside. And there's another one as well. I can't remember what the third one is. But they usually have two boxes for a fiver of one or the other of them or, or mixed. So, you know, whatever of the three is on offer, that's what I normally get. So I'm kind of rotating a little bit through them. But, you know, if ever I'm somewhere and I get eggs or I eat eggs and the yolk looks green, yeah. it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. It looks really sickly and sort of un- unwell. Yeah, sometimes I go to a farm shop if I'm in Chelmsford and you can get a big tray of 20 eggs, yeah. huge eggs, yeah. orange yolks. They're amazing. Beautiful. Um, so... I've got some questions. Do you know you never asked me the questions last time? No, because I think that was just before I started doing them. Ah, okay. I, I only <laughs> I, I was trying to think when I when I, I started probably maybe like twenty episodes back. Okay. Because um, Gosha was saying to me, "Oh, you need like a thing, like a theme." 
that you do always like the same stuff. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. But then actually, like with the little questions, now I quite enjoy mm. asking the same questions. But you listen to a lot of episodes, so you know what the questions are. So I've actually so got... you might have changed I've them I've got now. some slightly different questions. <laughs> yes. So uh, the first question is, if you could have dinner with anyone living or dead, who would you have dinner with? I actually heard this question the other day oh. and I was thinking Damn about it. it already. My, it's a hard one because my dad isn't physically here anymore and I think, oh, I'd love to have dinner with my dad. But I know my dad, so I know him. I would like to have dinner with my mum's dad. He passed away when she was 16 and they always talk about him and the character that he was. And I'd like to know myself what kind of character he was. Um, I wouldn't say a famous people, a famous person, because famous people are just people, you know. I don't know them, but he's linked to my family, and I'd like to have, I'd like to have dinner with James Taylor. Okay, <laughs> noted. Um, the next question is: What's the best piece of advice you ever received? Um, always stand up for yourself my mum and dad told me that um, it's got me in trouble a few times <laughs> I'd fight at school with the hardest girl in my school um, yeah I stood up for myself because she was bullying me so I thought oh, okay I'm not going to let her get away with this um, and in growing up as well being the softly spoken person that I am, small in stature, um, people speaking down to you or um, not being very nice to you doesn't stop when you're a kid. It, as sad as it is, it carries on in, in uh, older life. But I've always stood up for myself and I stand up for my friends as well. If I think something's morally wrong or somebody in, somebody's being bullied, I will stand up for them because they're my friends. So, yeah, my mum and dad said that to me. Always stand up for yourself. Okay. Uh, the next question is, if you could have one superpower, what would you choose? Oh, Okay. <laughs> Um, oh, it'd be nice to go back in time, wouldn't it? Just click your fingers, go back to whenever, whenever. Or even click your fingers and you think, oh, I forgot to leave some water out for my dogs. Click my fingers, go home. And you're there in like an instant. That would be quite cool to have that superpower. Okay. So, so like teleportation, but also through time. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, cool. It'd be nice to go back to... Um, like, my mum was brought up in East London. She's proper cockney, who you've met. Her. <laughs> um, yeah, it'd be nice to go back then to, to see what it was really, what London was really like back then. I think, like, um, my mum's like fifth generation London or something before being, uh, I don't know, from northern India or something. But it'd be nice to go back in those times figure out like cool. who who my family was nice um who would play you in a movie about your life mm. <laughs> um mm. oh, i don't think she's an actress 
she's not an actor though years ago i used to dye my hair black and i had like a red streak in it and everyone says oh you kind of look like bjork <laughs> no it wouldn't be her no, she's not an actor that. i can see that a little bit yeah there's a little bit of bjork there um i don't know who, who um who would play me oh my goodness so who do i like yeah, who, who do, do you i like? who do i like um I kind of like Reese Witherspoon. I think she's quite fun. <laughs> um, yeah, that could work. Yeah, maybe. Okay, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I'll ask you the I'll ask you the TV show one because I'm always curious to know what. TV I think show I told you work. this on Instagram. Anyway, maybe, maybe, maybe. you did. Oh, okay. But if you were trapped in a TV show for a month, what would you choose? <laughs> I would. I don't watch much TV, and in the lockdown, I watched um, Orange Is the New. In, what is it? Orange is a new black. New black. Yes, you did yeah. tell me. Yes. So I would go in that because touch wood, <laughs> I won't ever go into prison in my lifetime. But Definitely what an experience one, to yeah. have be in prison for a month. I'm sure it'd be horrendous. On a TV show, though. On a TV Not show, like yeah, a uh, yeah, I suppose. Prison. Yeah. Kind of half half. Yeah, but people did die in there, so you'd have to really like look out for yourself, wouldn't you? But yeah, what an experience to be in a prison, be, I don't know, just stripped of everything that you've got, no phone, no luxuries at all, go in there and just have a month off from social media. <laughs> I mean, you could you could do a, like a desert island instead of prison. I could, yeah, I could do a desert island. Yeah, a, <laughs> what program is available? a desert island? Oh, I'm sure there's one. Name, uh, what's that one where they got no clothes? <laughs> Naked and alone or something? I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't watch TV. But, I don't watch TV. <laughs> yeah, all right. Let's, we'll go. Orange is the New Black is a good one. Yeah. yeah I like that one. Okay. Um, so last question I'm going to go with... With my snail question, because I do like the snail question. So you can have £10 million in cash right now, but you're being chased by a snail. If the snail touches you, you die a horrible death. The snail cannot be stopped. The snail cannot be killed. The snail knows where you are at all times, and the snail has only one purpose, which is to get to you. Would you take the money? So having a snail following me, that's pretty stressful. So that's going to bring my eosinophil levels up pretty high. So um, no, no, I, I wouldn't want that stress. £10 million, pounds, yeah, it'd be lovely, but it's not um, the be-all and end-all. There's a lot of things. That, yeah, I'd rather have a stress-free life and, uh, yeah, um, I won't take the money, thanks. I agree. So um, the... Open mats. Mm -hmm. The next one is going to be the 10th of March. 10th of March, yeah. It's at Gymbox in Farringdon. If anybody wants to keep up to date with the open mats, then go on Instagram. Um, the handle is London Women's Open Mat. Um, there's a Facebook page. Again, London. I think it's London BJJ Women's Open Mats. It's something that Meg uh, set up. Um, there's a group as well, but... Um, yeah, if you're I'll put like links to, in the show yeah, notes, so the, they'll be I there. think Instagram, most people are on Instagram now. So, um, yeah, there's also a WhatsApp group as well for the ladies in London who um, train, want to go to uh, open mats, go to seminars, and want to sell geese and that kind of stuff. So, um, 
yeah, if anybody wants to be part of that, then contact me on my Instagram or London Women's Open Mat and I'll send you the the uh, group link. And your Insta is DJ Jolie? Yes. At yeah. DJ Jolie. At DJ yeah. Jolie. And are you, you're on Facebook as well, aren't you? Mm-hmm. You, what are you what, what's oh, your no, yeah my, my normal facebook stuff? is like for yeah personal i Other don't stuff. add randoms <laughs> okay oh, fine so okay so um yeah i'll put links for the for contact details in the in the show notes so mm. you guys um and also the jiu-jitsu sanctuary as well if anybody's looking to train in chelmsford um or maybe they're moving moving to chelmsford people do they're moving out london now and they're going um to essex yeah, I would. So, I would definitely try and come down for one of those yeah. over fifties classes. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm or interested even to when see I get it, the the club night sorted, oh, like with that, the decks sure. and yeah, yeah, and yeah. then we have the Bruce Lee film yeah, being played. And no, that I'll be there. I'm, I'm 100%. You know, I really want to make that happen. Yeah, I now. think that would be awesome. Yeah, because I, I always thought it. you know with Nick because Nick liked mixing doing his own techno mix. Mm-hmm. I always kind of thought for Nick it would be really cool that he to do his mix. And then just kind of have it playing, and everyone's there, kind of partying and training and yeah. drinking beers. And Nick used to send me his tracks that he yeah, made. Yeah, same with me. Afterwards, yeah. anyone who was there who wanted them, he's, I've still got some of those mixes on the SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, where he's a sloth DJ, right, with his dark glasses <laughs> on. Yeah, man, good old Nick. Yeah, I'll make it happen. Yeah, that'd be amazing. There's a, um, another idea that I've got is to have a women's training camp as well and then also maybe in the summertime at the jiu-jitsu sanctuary because we've got the the facilities we could do that um and then maybe a bit later in the year do um uh, a mixed one and probably on the saturday night i could sort out the 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 night of uh, yeah party night yeah that'd be awesome so and, and anyone else who's listening who's got any ideas around that or who wants to get involved or wants to throw some ideas into the mix then just uh contact me or contact jolie um so yeah put i'll put contact details in the in the show notes um so yeah guys reach out and get in touch get in touch and get involved thank you very much for coming in you're welcome Again. it's been fun yeah, as always i love talking to you it's <laughs> thank great. you um thank you guys for listening i know everyone's time is precious so if you manage to stay all the way through with us thank you for spending a couple of hours with us uh, make sure you're following the podcast make sure you're following the instagram at white basement pod on insta is the best place to keep up to date with um, everything that's going on with the podcast if you're listening and watching on youtube make sure you subscribe give us a thumbs up leave a little comment leave little reviews on the podcast platforms that helps us out a lot a new episode comes out every tuesday 5 a.m and we'll catch you next time if you don't deserve my love, you won't get it, no credit me over once and regret it, yeah, I said it Feelings and emotions, I can shed it, re-edit I'm running from my past, yeah, a legacy through the hell is I'm running round my brain, trying to find the nearest exit